Welcome back to the Survivor's Guide to Life podcast. This is episode 130, and it's been a, a couple weeks since we've been with you, and so much has happened in the world. Very serious events have happened in the world since we last spoke. Yeah. We're going to be talking about that today. We're also going to return to a subject that we've touched on before about grief and loss uh, in a when a couple, when one member of a couple uh, maybe has dementia and passes away, and what that experience is like. Well, I want to go a little further because I think it's it, 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 it really affects all caregivers. The most deeply affected, of course, are the loved ones. And um, in the last couple of weeks, there has been so much that's come through my life uh, for people who have been who've lost loved ones. And to hear what they've gone through is quite revealing. And um, not to not to hear it just as a clinician, but to hear it as a human being and hearing the mm-hmm. the terrible distress and how it affects people. So I want to share that. But I think one of the things I would do I don't want to overlook something that's been so predominant, and I feel like I feel it's very much of the, and that's the war with Russia and Ukraine. And yes. um, mm-hmm. to me, it's devastating. Uh, I I feel that what uh, uh, Putin is doing is he's a madman. There's no question about it. Now he's accusing them of Nazism and the country's run by a Jew. This guy is out of his mind. Yeah. But he's got tremendous power at his fingertips and he's being, he's killing innocent people. It's almost uh, hard to believe it's, it's happening. It's hard to believe that it's happening. Yeah. <clears throat> and uh, it's a disgrace. But I'll tell you what, some of the things that have been very impressive are people's... Um, it's inspiring, the kind of inspiration in the sense of uh, what people are willing to do and give to support the Ukrainians mm-hmm. and to see the the courage that the Ukrainians are showing up against Russia. Absolutely. I think it's, it's amazing, but to see children and hospitals blown up and to see the devastation that they're wreaking and this guy Putin is coming across like... Like a monster. He is a monster. Yeah. There's no question about yeah. it. I also feel, though, and I do want to say this, I think what's really disappointing is how, in some ways, how reluctant and slow-moving um, the free world has been, particularly the United States, in, in helping the Ukraine. And I still see it, where they should take a much more aggressive approach. They're so intimidated and afraid that there'll be a world war. And yet, that fear is exactly the thing that's that a person, that a, a monster like Putin, he's capitalizing on it. Absolutely, mm-hmm. and they the only thing they respect is power and strength. So you know what they must feel about us um, and about the free world because it's been the the re- reactions are just it's dis- it's a disappointment to say the least. Mm-hmm. So anyway, I want to just say my heart goes out to the Ukrainian people, and we support you completely. Um, and we pray for your safety and your well-being. And for those who have lost their loved ones, that dovetails into what we're going to talk about today. Mm-hmm. Um, we've been talking a lot about the kind of things that caregivers, people who are involved in caregiving, whether professionally or personally, go through, and the toll that it takes. For some reason, for the last few weeks, more people and uh, have come through my life sharing their grief and their um, the impact that it's had on their lives mm-hmm. and the variations of the severity are uh, 
astounding. And yet, not really, because when you listen to it, they're human. And one of the things I hear is they talk about the impact it has on their health and their well-being and, they, uh, and how hard they get on themselves about it. And yet, uh, it's a devastating experience. Most people don't know how to handle grief. Mm -hmm. They don't even know how to handle the impact of caregiving for someone right. who's sick or dying. Um, and that's always such a challenge anyway. We've gained great respect, and we've said this in the past, because we've been caregivers. Uh, we, we still are. Uh, and we learn so much in, about caregiving by being caregivers and also knowing many. And, uh, we took a different approach than most. We ran it as a team. Um, and it, worked, it works better. We've learned a lot about it. I'm still learning. What I'm really learning is most people don't have the support they need. No. And uh, even if they, they're not always accessible to the support in the sense of, are they really open and realizing it's okay to um, show what they're going through? I've talked to mm -hmm. uh, one lady, her husband died two years ago, nice lady. She said she was in bed for a year after he died and uh, she gained 25 pounds. She doesn't look that bad. Um, but she's, and I, I could see she's still carrying her grief and this was two years. Um, and one of the things that a lot of people have talked to me about grieving have said, they said two things. One is no one can understand what it's like to lose your beloved until it happens to you. And they're right. Mm -hmm. The other thing they said is that too many people come up that aren't empathetic and say, when are you going to get over this? I was going to say, I don't think in our culture open expressions of grief are welcomed or understood or accepted. No, the attitudes are wrong, they're bad. And this thing about when are you going to get over it is a common yeah. kind of... Maybe like the first week or two people will say, yeah. of course you're grieving, but then pretty soon people are saying, you need to move on. Well, there's a, there is a truth to it, I have to say, manifesting for myself, that people at times help me to shift. And that's that's that can be very sensitive and done well. The attitude of like, it's time for you to get over it though. Mm. That attitude, and it seems to be too pervasive, really is very insensitive and painful to a person who's that vulnerable and broken or grieving a loved one. Um, not just those, there are people who are caregivers and they go through an awful lot too. They are grieving in a way also. Absolutely, and we've seen too many. And when we've interviewed and we're involved with others, what we they'd lose the person they're taking care of, and they were getting they were going to jump right back into another job in a week. Our position was, you can't work for us. You've got to take time off mm -hmm. to, to to process that grief. That, now I know in cultures that are a whole lot better at dealing with grieving and caregiving than we are. But one of the things I found, particularly like Fijians, are excellent. Uh, <laughs> Filipino, uh, God. Haitian. Haitians are wonderful. Some Hispanics. Right. Yes. yes. Mm -hmm. And here's the other part, though. Self-care doesn't seem to be part of it but at all. But that side of the coin doesn't happen as uh -uh. often. No. And then no. we see the impact it has on these people's lives, physically and emotionally, and we know that they have got to learn how to take care of themselves better, and that it's okay to do that. It's not being selfish. It's very, very important to your longevity and your well-being if you're going to help other people. Mm -hmm. These are hard jobs. I re my respect for caregivers and families that are going through it of, it's through the roof at this point. I mean, I'm just so tuned into it and 
have such great admiration and, and uh, appreciation for the folks that do this kind of work. They deserve our, they deserve our all kinds of support. Um, but the, the uh, book that we, I want to just, it's not really a shift, but we've been talking about a very good book by Patty Davis called Floating in the Deep End, and it's about her life as a caregiver for her father, Ronald Reagan. I have to say, I think most of the book is really well done, and she talks from her heart. Um, but I just ran again up against a chapter that I have trouble with, and I'm not going to be one that would uh, support it. Yeah. And I've seen this too many times in other uh, supportive organizations that help people who are caregivers. Um, Patty Davis, in most of her book, talks about... Um, she talks about not losing sight of the essential person in who you're caring for, even if they have dementia or in some other way are impaired, that you still know who they are, you still value them, you value their humanity and their identity. And they're still and alive. Their, their spirit. And you respect and honor that. Absolutely. And she puts a, makes a big emphasis on it until a chapter that I just read that I... It does not fit with the rest of the it book. It doesn't. I have to say, and I feel like she maybe had some pressure from the community to change her approach a bit in that chapter. It could have been, because I've, I've seen it when you go out into the world. Because you saw it, yes. I've seen it more than once, and I don't agree with it. And I did, uh, and I certainly, uh, I want to talk about that for a minute, because I think it's so important. Um, when you're a caregiver and your loved one has got a terminal disease or has got dementia or Alzheimer's, um, they, there's so much of them to go away. You're not going to have that relationship anymore the further they get into the disease and the disease takes them over. And certainly the relationship you once had is going away. There's no question about any of it. For the caregiver and loved one, it leaves them with so many of their own needs and uh, that they received in the relationship when it was healthy, um, th that doesn't go away. It really doesn't. And I know um, it's very common, and I know I sat in many groups of caregivers uh, at the Alzheimer's Association, another one called Redwood, uh, Redwood Caregivers, caregivers Association. Mm -hmm. And there's many I've sat in. And, but one of the things I found consistently that came through it that I didn't agree with was when people come in, they express their feelings about their needs. We're not getting met anymore, um, sexually, intimately. It's true. Companionship. It's all uh, true. All of those things, yes. And you do have to shift. Now, I can speak from experience, not just as an observer. Um, it is difficult. And I remember listening and going, I don't feel any different than you do. I go through you it too. You can have compassion for what they're going Absolutely. through. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, but the next thing really bothered me, and that was they were encouraged to get involved in affairs and love relationships to get their personal needs met while their partner or while the person is still alive. I had a, I had a hard time with that, not with the way the people were feeling, but that reaction was so disrespectful and dishonoring to people that are still with you, still alive, still here. Um, their intuitive abilities, by the way, are still working. Uh, and I remember with, with my wife, I loved her, I adored her. We had a very wonderful, incredible uh, physical relationship, an intimate relationship, the best. I don't know anybody that any better. But I know one thing, 
that when I had to put my needs aside for the sake of her well-being, that came first. And feeling selfless in my love and devoted to taking care of her was very important. Other needs for self-care that I had, absolutely. I had to do things to make sure I could at least stay afloat, and I did. But when it came to dishonoring our relationship and treating it like, well, now i got to have my sex needs met with someone else, that to me was a, a very deep disrespectful front to the loved one. Um, I still f I feel very strongly about that. But yet I hear it in Patty Davis's book, there's a whole chapter on it. And it doesn't go along with the rest of her book and the rest of her attitudes and approach. So when I saw this, I've seen it before. Uh, I know the way the world functions, and this is one area that I find to be extremely insensitive and um, it's not, it is selfish. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't mean you don't feel your needs. It's just that to take those actions is beyond disrespectful. So what kinds of things did you do well, to help make this time, uh, help with your self-care, help you to um, just get through this okay. time without that? And it was years, not months, it was yeah, years. Yeah, it was a long time. It was a good six years. Well, it's not easy. I'm not trying to portray it that way. But I, I, I had to put that aside, and I'm a very physical person. So, of course, I felt those things. But the priority I was on, making sure Lynn had all of her needs met, be, comfort her, be there for her, and never disrespect her. Well, I had to do other things. It wasn't that, but since I'm so physical, I would get, be involved with, with the sports that I'm involved in, the riding my horses, uh, taking care of them, being involved, working out. I had to do a lot of physical things. There's no question about that, um, to take care of myself. No denying, and I never, I never in my mind said this is the answer. It was just, it helps me get through, mm -hmm. and it helps me go back feeling a little bit more hopeful and a little bit more encouraged and relieved. <coughs> There's other things that other people <coughs> could excuse me, but I did many things like that. But as far as ever having an affair or having another person in my life, never. I wouldn't do it. I was committed to my wife, and she always was to me. That, that reminds me, because uh, you came to, to start to say to us that uh, the experience of making this kind of a sacrifice mm. for Lynn yeah. uh, gave you a deeper understanding of ways over the years that she had sacrificed for you. Mm. And that she, I think you said, uh, I think you said, that you felt that uh, she had been more sacrificial earlier, and now it was your turn to be able to well, do that. Well, I, I think objectively we both were doing that, but I always saw her as much more comfortable being selfless and sacrificing. And I didn't want to take advantage of that, but she was more... But now, and I was too, I loved her, so I mean, of course I was, and I worked for her, whatever I needed to do to love her, take care of her, be there for her in our healthier days, because we both had such a good relationship. But yeah, I did. And this time that Lynn was sick gave me the opportunity to be the selfless one, not looking for anything to be reciprocated, because she couldn't. And somehow, the fulfillment in doing that was something that I cherish to this day. And I did get so much out of it. I learned so much. I was inspired. We developed a whole new program for our nonprofit. Caregiving for the Caregivers, Lynn's Legacy. This, we started these podcasts to 
reach more caregivers and giving them encouragement and hope. Help teaching them how to take care of their bodies and recognize the toll that it takes in taking care of others who are not well. Um, so we learned, we've learned a lot. We have a lot of inspired people from that, those teams uh, that work with us today and are very much involved with how this nonprofit is it, it, it's blossoming and blooming because the, the need is so much greater. Um, we find that also, and I will say this, and I won't be, there are many people that cannot handle it. And what I always had a hard time I'm relating to empathetically, and I'm sorry for it in some ways and other ways, I'm not, is folks that took a look and they were gone. And they didn't want anything involved. They were overwhelmed, and their answer to it was to disappear. There may be the same kind of people that, that now would say to someone, you know, get over your grief. It may be. They can't quite tolerate the intense emotions around death and dying and debilitating. And what I found was, I didn't know it was so pervasive, but that, that happens so often. Mm -hmm. And it's very hard to stop them when they're in that mode. Um, you can't. What they really have is such a terrible fear that it just takes them over and it doesn't mean they don't feel pain. It's just their answer to it is to run away and avoid at all costs. Yeah. yeah, we've seen a lot of it. And I have to say, probably by this time, I have more empathy about for those folks than mm -hmm. I did them. No, she says not, <laughs> not that much. Okay, she's right. She's right. Before I had none. And now I have a little. A little. Because I've always been a person that when there's a crisis or an emergency or there's a need, I've always been engaging and deal. And then later on, dealt with the impact of it, the pain or the trauma, the effects of the trauma, always. But I was always one that if there's a need and people are in need, they're gonna, I'm going to be there for them mm -hmm. in, in every way I can. So it's very hard for me to understand people who run away and they disappear. Let me just say, and we're just about out of time again, but what you just said I feel brought us around full circle. And I don't know if this has anything to do with how you'd like to wrap up today, but you were talking about... When there's a need, when something comes along that must be responded to, you do it. And it just, it, it just struck me that that's, I would honor the people in the Ukraine because that is what they're doing. Absolutely. And I have great respect for them. I, I'm being very cautious here because I don't want to get political, but I don't have a whole lot of respect for what we're, our country and the free world is doing. They have to take much more aggressive action. And in some ways it feels like they want to avoid and run away mm -hmm. out of fear. I don't agree with it. And I think when you're dealing with people, uh, number one, the, the Ukrainians, desire, they deserve every bit of support we can give them because mm -hmm. they're being murdered. And But the other part is we can provide safety for them and protection. And they're asking for more uh, defensive help, and we can provide it. And yet there's so many excuses why we don't. And no, I do have a hard time with that. And particularly when I see people being killed and being uh, seeing the families and the, and the grave sites, it's it's devastating to me. So yeah, I have a, there again not a whole lot of empathy. Um, my answer would be to be more aggressive and to give them what, and to be there in every way we can to be there and provide what they need to protect themselves and not to hold back and not to get political at a time like this. That's me, and yes, it's a full circle. And for the families that have lost their loved ones, and it's, oh, it's thousands, and I see, I see the pain. Yeah. 
it, it's devastating. I see the tears, I see the heartbreak of these families who've lost their loved ones in this, in this war so far. And I gotta tell you, it's a devastation to me to watch. Mm -hmm. It almost seems like it's unbelievable. It's hard to believe. It is shocking. That this could be going on, but it is. So as long as it is, the way I've always been is, okay, it's hard to believe, then let's deal with it. And yeah. I've always been like Face that. It. And I still feel that the free world is holding back. We need to give them everything, everything that this uh, president, what's it, is it President Zelensky? Zelensky. Is asking for, we should give them. Mm -hmm. So anyway, I wish them well. Our My heart and prayers are with, with them. We've made donations. Yes, we have. Um, we hope others will too to help them through your churches or through other volunteer organizations or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, I really would pray for that. And also, we're setting up these programs for caregivers through our nonprofit. And we really do need donations because we have to make sure they can get the care they need. And it's, it is an expensive proposition as we learned when we first started this. So anyone who has a heart for what we're talking about that could, wants to make a donation and we need it, I give it over to you. I've got the information, you bet. Uh, the organization uh, that's helping spearhead this effort is also the organization that makes it possible for us to do our podcast. It's Sonoma Coast Trauma Treatment at sctraumatreatment.org. They have a donate function on their website. Please visit them. We are the Survivor's Guide to Life.com on Facebook, Instagram, podcast outlets, and our own YouTube channel. Please like, share, and, and enjoy listening to and watching what we're doing. We are uh, Peter, Dr. Peter Bernstein. Peter and I uh, can be reached at Jenny at BernsteinInstitute.com, 707-781-3335. Thank you for being with us. Thank you so much. All our best to all of you. And for the Ukraine, our prayers are with you. Yes. Bye-bye.